0: Hello everybody, it's Jim May Sano and this is College Hoops Chat Radio Show. We're here on Monday nights at WVOX 1460 AM, my favorite radio station. Um, So thank you for joining us tonight. Um, This is uh, for housekeeping uh, measures. This is our last show until the fall. We decided that um, we would take a summer break on the show. So starting after tonight's show... We'll be on summer break and we'll return after Labor Day uh, when the students are back on campus, uh, when the uh, student athletes uh, will be back on the court uh, practicing uh, in their gyms on campus. So uh, tonight's last show, hope you enjoy it. We do have a lot to talk about. We do have a special guest calling in. That would be Tristan Freeman, my friend from Busting Brackets. He does a really great job um, on Busting Brackets. The website you want to check out, I would do a search for Busting Brackets on the web, or look for them on Twitter. Busting Brackets, uh, excellent work covering college basketball. One of the very best uh, on the internet. So Tristan will be calling in in about two minutes. Um, one thing I noticed was before we get to Tristan um, is that, I don't know if you noticed, but locally, our, our Iona College basketball coach, uh, Rick Patino, is still coaching. He can't stop. Can't stop coaching. He was coaching uh, the... Greek Olympic team uh, that was in the qualifying round and uh, he coached them past uh, China and Turkey uh, and Greece had to win one more game to make the Olympics. They had to beat the Czech Republic and lost that game. Uh, so Coach Petino, uh, as, you, as you probably know, was a professional basketball coach in Greece before he came to Iona College. Uh, he was very close to taking uh, Greece and putting them in the Olympics on July 4th. He lost that game. Uh, and then announced that would be his last game as the Greek national coach. So congratulations to Coach Patino. Got some big wins for Greece versus China and Turkey. I would just say this as an Iona College fan here. Uh, our show covers Iona College basketball. Uh, this is great. I mean, here's Rick Patino out internationally uh, coaching and playing uh, uh, with some of the uh, top players in the world. Uh, he's probably uh, meeting some Um, players or or brothers of players uh, that he could recruit to Iona College that could come from Europe and be a major recruit. I know for sure uh, that Rick Pitino has said on the record, including times when I was part of the interview, that he was hoping uh, to recruit um, players from um, Europe uh, and from Africa and from around the world, for that matter, uh, for uh, his big men, his bigs. Uh, forwards and centers. He felt like uh, a school like Iona may not get the best big men uh, in America, but they can go around the world and bring them in. Uh, he said he would get his guards from American cities and he'd get his big men from Europe. And he said that was a model uh, that Gonzaga relied on. Uh, so that's uh, Coach Patino, And uh, congrats to him. All right. So we're waiting for Tristan Freeman uh, to call. Uh, Tristan is uh, with busting brackets, as I said. So, I guess I'll give you an introduction. Uh, last uh, Wednesday, July 7th, was the deadline. If you had put your name into the NBA, NBA draft and didn't hire an agent, uh, you could pull out. And, and July 7th was a day a whole bunch of players pulled out of the NBA draft. They're going back to college. I believe our caller is there. Okay, so folks, uh, this is Jim Masono, College Troops Chat, and our guest today. For the second time, we're happy to have him back Tristan Freeman. Tristan, are you there? Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for being part of our show again. And uh, keep up the great work with Busting Brackets. I think you'll be happy to know, Tristan, I'm on Busting Brackets literally every day at some point, uh, keeping up with the college basketball news. And I uh, promote you here on our show all the time. You guys do great work there.
1: I appreciate it so much. Thank you very Appreciate it. How you guys
0: doing? How's Busting Brackets doing? Are You hitting your marks? You need to hit to be a top uh, college basketball
1: website. Yeah, I would say so. Even uh, there's plenty of news going on, so there's always something for us to cover. And based on the views, there's clearly interest for all fans for their respective teams. All right. So
0: one thing I've noticed in the last two weeks, both College Hoops Chat were not on the high level of Busting Brackets, but uh, both of us, you and I in Busting Brackets, have been doing posts every few days talking about the guys uh, who might pull out of the NBA draft. And then we found out on July 7th that a whole bunch of guys pulled out of the NBA draft. Certainly some guys that would have been drafted pulled out. It was kind of an exciting day, uh, days, I'd say, July 3rd, leading up to July 7th. And all of these guys pulling out of the NBA draft and going back to their colleges is going to have an enormous impact on the 2021-22 season, right Tristan?
1: Yeah, it was uh there was plenty of names in in the last couple of days of the deadline and the fact that just about all of them came back is is a really positive sign for the sport. I think you could make an argument that a combination of lame name name image, image and likeness, uh the transfer portal giving players options And the fact that last season really wasn't a true season for a lot of players gave a lot of incentive for players to come back if they weren't you know, first-round promises. We still saw guys like Joshua Primo and uh, Dwayne Washington leave, but overall, anybody who wasn't a guaranteed first-round pick, a lot of them were able to come back. And guys like Kofi Kohler, who normally wouldn't opt in to come back for another year, it's really good for health of the sport, and for many of these teams, we're going to have a ton of talent for next season. I agree. I
0: agree with every word you just said. I think the name, image, and likeness coming out on July 1st, uh, the ability to transfer. um, You're right, the lost season last year. uh, A lot of players who probably would have stayed in the draft, draft decided to give it another shot in college, and there's going to be a lot of talent on the court last year. So let's start talking about a few of those guys if we can. So I think the number one guy... The number one guy, I would say, on my chart, uh, Tristan, to come back to college. and He's coming back to a loaded team that went to the Final Four, and that'd be UCLA's Johnny Jusang.
1: Would you agree with that? Yeah, he he was a name that we all were watching for because after the performance he had in March, it almost felt like he had to go because his stock wasn't going to be as high. But I think after going through the process and seeing that he wasn't going to be a lock for a first-rounder, and a chance to come back and play for a preseason top 10 team, it, it made great sense for Jusang to come back and really take advantage of what happened for, for the Bruins.
0: Once again, I, you know something? You're so, on the, you're so on tonight, Tristan. I don't even have to talk. You're hitting every subject matter. Everything I would have said, so that's great. I agree. Johnny Jusang, UCLA, uh, they're going to be a power out in the Pac-12, although I would say as great as UCLA looks right now, and they do, I wouldn't count down Oregon in that conference either. They
1: look real good, too. Yeah, well, Oregon did a great job this offseason in transfer portal. I think Quincy Guerrier has a chance to be a national star. The only thing that would concern me with Oregon is if the backcourt of real Richardson and Oklahoma transfer, Davion Harmon, are they going to be good enough to compete with what UCLA has with Tiger Campbell and David Singleton?
0: That's uh, a good question. So I guess both you and I on the first regular season game of uh, um, UCLA and Oregon will have that game tuned on our TV, won't we?
1: Yes, yes. That's, that's going to be a fun one for Pac-12, definitely.
0: All right. So when I look at the teams, the team that just jumps out at me, I mean, literally jumps out with the impact of guys pulling out of the, out of the draft and making the team... Different and better next season. The team that, as far as I'm concerned, just jumped off the charts in improvement was Kansas. Three guys that kind of were waiting towards the end to make their decision. All three decisions. Two players that were on Kansas last year. One player that in the portal transferred into Kansas, but was also in the draft. Three major players. I've seen them all play multiple times. Really top college town. Abaji. For Kansas, came back. Um, Jalen Wilson is a really good-looking freshman last year. And, of course, someone we've seen in different teams, all good teams, by the way, Remy Martin, uh, Nevada, I think, to Arizona State, to Kansas. But getting Wilson, Martin, and, let's uh, 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 see if I say the name right, uh back last week was huge for Kansas. And I think it puts them in a national championship conversation.
1: Yeah, each of them had had different kinds of decisions. I think Wilson, after his redshirt freshman year, was definitely always going to come back, but he wanted to go through the process and get evaluation. Remy Morton's the kind of guy that, in years past, we would have seen leave. You know, he would have gone his four years. Would he probably isn't going to be a draft pick, whether regardless of what he does at Kansas, but certainly would have gotten a pro deal. But him willing to come back and come to Kansas is huge, and I personally written Abazi off. I thought he was definitely going to go pro after leading Kansas and scoring and and pretty much showing everything he has to do. Right. But for him to come back, it, it, I have them personally in my top three for next year. They have so much depth, and the fact that Abazi comes back puts uh you know DePaul transfer Jalen Coleman lands. He's not going to be your sixth man for next season. It's, their, their depth is ridiculous. It, you know, it's going to come down to whether, how good Martin is at facilitating their offense and whether or not he can be a guy that can win at a high level. But Kansas, would you, it's hard to argue any team that won more than Kansas in the past couple months.
0: Uh, I'm with you all the way. That's the team that jumps out at me. All right, this another team that jumps out at me I want to talk to you about. Now, Tristan, I'm going to need you to be objective here because I know you're a Pitt fan, so it's probably sometimes hard to be objective with your own team. Uh, one of the teams I root for is UNC, North Carolina Tar So let me tell you, let me make my statement, and then you can uh, calm me down. Okay, Tristan? Um, yes. I am thrilled with what happened with UNC over the last few weeks. I mean, if Baycott, Armando Baycott, who I'm a big fan of Omargo Armando Baycott, a very mobile big man. He can score. He can rebound. He's a good kid. Everybody likes him. Um, He could have gone pro. He didn't, thank God. But had he gone pro um, and they didn't get the transfers in, UNC had no front court. They had no forwards and centers. They only had guards coming back. But now they got Baycott back. Like I said, I love watching Armando Baycott play basketball. They also got Brady manik a 6'9 forward from Oklahoma, 11 points a game last year, 5 rebounds, uh, 38% from the three-point line. And then last week, in kind of a shocker, right, they get 6'11 uh, center from Marquette. Uh, Dawson Garcia transferred, so he pulled out of the draft, then transferred in the, from the portal over to UNC. So UNC went, in the space of a couple of weeks, from having no front court to having Baycott, Manic, and Garcia, when they also we already they already have three really good young guards. I'm starting to feel really good about my Toriels. Okay, Tristan, be
1: objective. Yeah, well, no, I have them now as a top ten team for next year. Okay, it, this it, the front court. I would argue has not only more talent but it's so much better than last year's collection. You have a guy in Brady who While he's not, you know, a national star. Still has over a hundred career starts, and his ability to stretch the floor is going to be so huge for for North Carolina's guards, and for their Baycott down low. And when you have a guy now in, in Garcia who is capable of stretching the floor himself, he's going to play the four spot with Baycott, or he can play the five spot with Manic, depending on what lineup they use. the the The, the lineups that North Carolina can have is going to work so well. It's a big boost for their guards. And quite frankly, I, I don't think, and when you not only consider the fact that they landed a five-star prospect for the year after, it's just been an incredible off-season for Hubert Davis, who hasn't, who has pretty much not dropped off ever since Roy Williams' decided to part ways, which I think is such a great sign for the program's short- and long-term health.
0: I agree, and they got a five-star this week coming as a freshman. So um, so I love UB Davis. So. Uh, I am. I've been a Tar Heel fan for decades, and I'm a Knicks fan. The two teams he spent most of his life with. Tristan, so a big fan of UB Davis. I hope he crushes it down at North Carolina, and I do think he's going to do a great job. He's a quality man. He's a smart man, uh, and he knows his basketball inside. I, I think he could be a great coach.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely, and we'll and we'll see what John Shire does the year after. He's going to have to recruit likely an entire new team. So he'll, be in, so he'll have a little, guess to say, a head start while Coach K, you know, actually coaches this roster. But I have a feeling that Duke and North Carolina isn't going to skip a beat as premium teams in the country, even though they're going to have head coaching changers.
0: I agree. I agree with you 100%. They're still going to be great. All right. So I'll, I'll let you take this one. So I, I saw another team. That lost a lot or three or four guys to the draft. But they needed to hold two guys last week, and they did. That would be uh, Michigan with Hunter Dickinson, the center, who had a really nice freshman year. And a transfer, they got a transfer with the Sunbelt Player of the Year, Devontae Jones, uh, decided to stay at Michigan. So after losing a bunch of guys, they were able to keep those two. They have a really good recruiting class and a good transfer. So I think um, Michigan's now going to be a very good team. Uh, had Dickinson left or Devontae Jones uh, also left, they could have been in trouble.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it was interesting because it, it felt like both guys were just going to go through the process. But, it, but then it looked like there was an argument that they could have each state. And if that happened, Michigan was going to be in luck because they really didn't have any backup options. So the fact that they have their scoring guard and Jones back, Hunter Dickinson, who's going to be a national player of the year candidate... The number one recruit in class, and they were able to get one of their seniors to come back in Eli Brooks, which adds stability at the backcourt. Hey, you know, I, I saw Caleb Houston, prospect, coming in, playing the uh, under 19 games uh, for Canada. He looked really good at times, had the chance to be a dynamic scorer. I have them personally as the number two team behind Zaga coming in wow, under the assumption that we're going to see. Yeah, I I'm, I mean, look, I'm a huge believer in that coach and staff. I think Juan Howard has proved it completely they're really really good. I had Ohio State number two, but Dwayne Washington leaving big loss is, is certainly hurts them. Big loss. But yeah, it, it, it this Michigan team I think has earned all the accolades, and I, I there's just there's no reason why to doubt them coming in for next year.
0: Okay. Now i got to come back home. Uh, You know, Tristan, we're here in the New York City area. So I'm going to come back home. I'm going to throw out a statement at you uh, and give us some commentary, okay? I think the one player coming back that will probably make the biggest difference in his team's fortune, I think the team would have been around 500. I think they're now a tournament team. Is Julian Champagne coming back to St. John's? It's going to make a huge difference for that team this season.
1: Yeah, I have St. John's right on the outside of the top 25 right now with that return. It's such a big move. And for programs, it's hard to say St. John's is rebuilding because they've never been you know, truly awful at the bottom. But they're, they're trying to get, be a consistent NCAA tournament team. And it's hard to do that when your best players are leaving after the second year and they're not a projected lottery pick. You know, it, it, right. it certainly affected, you know, my Pit Panthers, with Justin Champagne leaving and moving on. Sure. Rasko, Delano, uh, Banton, who's going to be who's moving on as well. When you consider the fact that St. John's, in my opinion, upgraded its rosters, they also added Tariq Coburn, who averaged 15 points at Hofstra and is a point threat. You know, there, there's no reason why St. John's isn't going to be a tournament team and should finish in the top four or five of the Big East next season. His, huh. his move has turned him into uh, what should be expected to be a tournament team.
0: I love that commentary, Tristan, because I mean, I watch every St. John's fan. Probably, you probably watch every uh, Pitt game. I watch every St. John's game. So it's going to be a lot more fun uh, with Julianne Champagny in the lineup. That's for sure. All right, question. Um uh the the biggest surprise to me of a guy pulling out of the draft, I thought he was gone. I thought he was definitely staying in a draft. He probably wasn't getting good feedback from the NBA teams, but I thought Marcus Bagley out of Arizona State was not coming back to college basketball. Were you surprised by that? Oh, I, I
1: think everybody you know, he, he, he entered the transfer portal when the rest of the uh guys for Arizona State were declaring and moving on. I didn't even do a potential list for him of where he could go because I had assumed once he went pro, he he was going to stay pro. The fact that he came back for another year, I, I think, and the fact that he came back to Arizona State, I think, it is a personally a good sign for him. He's going to have he's going to be the focal point of the offense instead of the number four or five option, considering how. Remy Martin, Joshua Christopher, Alonzo Verge, where it's basically taking all the shots. And I think you're going to see a massive improvement from him as a sophomore. And it gives Arizona State some actual front court depth, a guy who can score in many different ways. He, along with Colby Colburn, Illinois, coming back, I think were two of the biggest surprises this offseason.
0: All right, so your sources, are they telling you that it looks like uh, Kofi Cockburn to, K- to Kentucky. I, that's what I keep reading on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I, I've I've been hearing that, too. That's the one team that has been linked so far. It's, it it makes sense for him to follow his assistant. I think the one thing that's stopping all of us from being, like, definite about it is that they already have a transfer in Oscar to Seabway, who is a better defender but nowhere near the offensive force that Coburn is and you probably can't play those two together. So there may be some consequence down the line from Ross's standpoint. Maybe Kasewe goes pro if Coburn arrives, but you're assuming Kentucky has one more trick up their sleeve. Yes. And if it's not number one prospect, Jalen Duran, who now is starting to see momentum go towards Memphis, maybe they end up getting Coburn and solidifying that front court for next year.
0: All right, so we are running. We have about a minute left, so I'm going to throw out three names. You pick one to comment on. Uh, I was happy that uh, Terrence Shannon went back to Texas Tech uh, for their new coach, who I think is a good one, to kind of hold the team together, losing Baird to Texas. Uh, that was a big get for Texas Tech. I was shocked because I thought he had reached his highest point of kind of uh, marketability, and that's M- Max Admis, uh Oral Roberts. He came back to Oral Roberts. I was a little surprised by that. And the third name, I just want to say, just quickly, I love E.J. Liddell. I think he's a really good college basketball player, and I think he's going to have a really good year for Ohio State. All right, pick one of those two, and we'll finish with that.
1: Yeah, I think Terrence Shannon coming back was a really smart move. You know, the backcourt for Texas Tech was basically leading the way with Mack McClung and Kyle Edwards and the others. He now is the focal point of the Red Raiders team. And you have him with a ton of transfers, and, you know, there's good chance they're not done yet. Look out for Kevin O'Banner, or Roberts' transfer, who may be joining as well. And I think the opportunity for him to be the focal point in of the offense on a team that could be sneaky good next year if he takes that, that that leap as a junior as we all expect he can be. All right. So the music's
0: going to come on in a second. So I... Uh, listeners, you could tell that Tristan and I could talk about college basketball probably for about four hours, right, Tristan?
1: Yes, sir. No Absolutely.
0: problem. <laughs> uh, you're a great caller, and we appreciate you being a friend to the show, and our show will be a friend to Busting back Brackets for sure. So let's keep talking on, on Twitter, and we'll bring you back on the show too, Tristan. Of course, anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. All right, that's Tristan Freeman from Busting Brackets. All right, folks, we're going to the commercial break. Now we'll come back second half of the show starting off with Kenny from Rye, our number one caller.
2: Westchester's favorite morning show.
0: I love the morning show.
2: Good morning, Westchester, with Dennis and Tommy. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on
1: 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. They're playing basketball.
0: We love that basketball. They okay, folks, basketball. we are back on College Hoops Chat. I'm Jim Masono your host. Uh, We have, I believe, is Kenny here on the phone? So we have our number one caller. This is our 35th show. He's called 34 of the shows. Uh, He's the modern-day Joe Beningo. This is my friend Ken Nixon. We call him Kenny from Rye on the show. Hello, Kenny. James, how are we doing? How's everything? Good, good, good. So um, I thought Tristan Freeman said it best when he said, there's an awful lot of talent coming back the college of basketball this year and that's good for all of us who are the fans
3: yeah and i think that what also is important as well is the way that the nba has adjusted to this from a perspective of giving them you know a lot of a lot of young men who have come out and 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 gone through the process real feedback and rankings and probabilities so as you were saying a lot of them heard maybe what they didn't want to hear but hopefully listened and if they had options to go back and to go back to a place that that they know the system so they can get up and running and continue their career, what they have achieved so far and and do that in the same place in the same system to continue to build on the resume. Right. The perfect
0: example of that is Marcus Bagley. So I don't know if people from home know who Marcus Bagley is, but he was a five-star recruit uh, to Arizona state. Bobby Hurley's the coach down there. This was his big, I guess he was a borderline four or five-star player, but he was a major recruit. And was thought to be a one-and-done player, Kenny. Um, and he um, had a pretty good year, freshman year. You know, it was with the, with the stops and starts and COVID. It was hard, I think, for a freshman to kind of get acclimatized this past season. But at the end of the season, everybody thought Marcus Bagley was going to the NBA. And uh, at early, about two months ago, you'd see he was, in every single mock draft, Marcus Bagley was getting picked. Sometimes even late first round. Uh, He pulled out of the draft last week, and you have to uh, figure what you just said happened. The feedback he was getting was not great. They were telling him he needed to work on things. Uh, They were telling him he's slipping into the second round and maybe not get drafted at all. So this is a guy that he didn't hire an agent. Uh, He was a one and done. Uh, At least everybody thought so, but here he is back at Arizona State next year, which certainly Bobby Hurley is awfully happy
3: about. Yeah, I mean, I think if if you know, there were, I think they were eleven and fourteen, didn't do anything, and obviously didn't they didn't get to the you know the tournament highlights. So that probably had weighed a lot into it because the fact, the fact is that hypothetically, if they were, you know, twenty and five or twenty and whatever, um, and then made some noise in the tournament, it might be different. If he was leading the way, his season was up and down, as you mentioned, and so that I, I applaud him for making the right decision to come back, mature his game, and get through a full college season, where you get to practice in the preseason, practice during the week, and then play the games.
0: All right, I want to get your thoughts on a Friar, a Providence Friar. Nobody knows uh, more about the Friars than anybody I know, except Peter DiBiase. You guys are close. But um, David Duke, the best player on Providence, one of the best players in the Big East last year. Right now, if you look at the uh, ESPN um, mock draft, he doesn't get drafted. Matter of fact, they have him ranked number 89. Which means he's about twenty nine spots out of getting drafted. Um, he could have come back and had another year with Providence. Uh, he did, He surely didn't get good feedback. Um, I'm, I wonder if, uh, yeah. if you do you hear anything on these Providence websites. Did he ever think about coming back, or did he kind of go into the draft and there was no looking back?
3: Yeah, I think I think it was. I think it was a mutual decision that his time was done there. And, you know, from a perspective of what they were what they were going to do and how they were going to use them, I thought Ed Cooley gave him an enormous amount of latitude last year uh, in, in frustration. He is not a point guard, and that, that's one of his problems. And because of his size, um, he's not a point guard. And then if you're an off guard, he doesn't shoot lights out. So in defending Providence, they knew that the ball was in his hand, let's call it, 60 70% of the time so that he really struggled going between off-guard and point guard, and he didn't have a point guard who could make him better. So they they threw a lot on him, and that kept him on the court. And it it just never clicked. I've talked to my fellow friars who have watched most of the games, including uh, Peter DiBiase Sr. and Jr., and I think they would agree it was just a miserable season for him that was expected to go well. And so I think he was kind of caught, What, what, what do I do? Do I go back and do the same thing? And if I do that, I'm not improving again as well. So he obviously is comfortable with the fact that the feedback he's gotten and he hired an agent and he's on to either the NBA or maybe late second round or the G League and or Europe and, and develop better, better skills to come back into the NBA. He's a great defender, a great teammate, a great, a, 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 you know, a, a great captain. I think all those things have been developed over the course of the time he's at Providence. It's just that he was, he was a tweener.
0: Right. I just don't see him in the NBA next year. Maybe G League, but he may end up, at the end of the day, a European player.
3: Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that from a perspective of how many players do we see that go over to the better European leagues and develop skills that are much better suited for the the, the new modern-day NBA. And one of the things he's going to have to develop is a much, much more consistent outside shot.
0: No question. No question.
3: Um, so
0: let's come close to home with you, like I did with Tristan. And I think you agree. St. John's getting back Julian Champagny is one of the most influential comebacks uh, for any team in college basketball. Don't you agree?
3: Absolutely. And we, we talked about it you know, uh, on the show two weeks ago. And the fact is you have to look at teams that lost a lot. St. John's lost a lot. But their number one scorer and their number one producer is coming back. And then, they have to, and then, that, and then it's going to fall on him to, I guess you'd say, mesh the three transfers they're expecting playtime, and I think that it's, it's a huge, it's a huge win for St. John's and from a perspective of his group former guest that puts them right on the bubble you know the top 25 you know if they, if they do what they're expected to do, they should make the tournament, particularly someone who should benefit from a preseason uh, better better practicing and more games. Now the only challenge is everybody knows who he is now. So the game plan is going to be based around stopping him. So that'll be interesting to see. I didn't know if you noticed, Ken,
0: uh, a fifth-year player, uh, Tariq Coburn from Hofstra, this week transferred to St. John's. Uh, he's a 15-point scorer for Hofstra, but here's what I, that's even more attractive. Ready? He is a 40% uh, throughout his college career three-point shooter and an 80% free throw shooter. So that's a pretty nice piece. A very experienced a player uh, who can shoot a free throw and hit a three. How about having him on the court at the end of the game? I think that was a great pickup for St. John's.
3: Yeah, I I think there's still some gems in the, in the rough out there from a perspective of those that have pulled themselves back from the drafts, those that are still hanging around and now colleges, including mine, Providence that still has a spot or two that may look for someone who is a role player. I think the question is what is that young man's expectation in coming to that university? What does he expect? does he expect to play 80% of the minutes does he expect to be a contributor does he expect to lead the team and i think once those expectations are met with the coach and the coaching staff then they can be positive as long as that person accepts his or her role because as you know it's one year it's one year and, and you know not it's one year for the fifth years it's and it's maybe only one year for those that, that came back looking to Let's let's call it. You know, highlight their stock to move on to the next to the, to the next level.
0: I saw a quote from him, and he expected to uh, be a player in the rotation, not a starter. So I think he's a mature young man. You know, I don't know if you know Saint John's has a um, outstanding program, one of, one of the top in the country uh, for a, be a physician assistant, a PA program. He's in that program. So he went to Hofstra undergraduate. Graduated. So since he was going to St. John's for that program, he decided to keep playing basketball. Interesting, right?
3: Absolutely. And, you know, that's the beauty of, of the fifth year. I mean, outside of this whole transfer, you know, craze, the, the fifth year process or the fifth year rule was set up, I think, with great intention to, to encourage people to, to finish their college degree and then reward that with another opportunity to play another year somewhere else. And I know there's some rules around that to play somewhere else where they don't offer the same major, but that's kind of nonsense. So play another year, play somewhere else, somewhere where you might have some interest, where at that point in time you've come to the realization from a perspective of this is who I am, this is what I'm going to be, this is who I want to be. And so as you were saying, a major like that where he's interested in is, is going to benefit him at St. John's. I agree. All right,
0: so here's another one. We, you, you always advocate that we talk more on the show about Rutgers because they're another New York metropolitan area teams they got back ron harper jr who's a terrific all-around player and geo baker who's kind of one of the backbone of the team guys so rutgers had they lost both of those guys to the draft all that progress that got rutgers into the NCAA tournament kind of would have to, made took a major step back rutgers is back now with harper and geo baker back
3: yeah, i've seen i saw ron harper jr and in, in, uh, play a number of times in, in the tournament as well he's a he's a great all-around player, and I think, as you mentioned, it's a big boost for St. John. In particular, as we've mentioned throughout the year, there are programs that can restock very quickly, the Duke, the NC, the Kentucky, you know, maybe UCLA. Um, then there's those where you have the players, you've built the continuity, and you expect at the outside that the person will be here, your star will be there three years, and the rest of the people will be there four. And this transfer situation has you know, uprooted all of that, so – Programs like the Rutgers and Providence College and others that can't restock on a, you know, on a dime are going to be in a position where they're kind of beholden to some two or three players, just like St. John's is, to, to make or break their next, their next year, their upcoming year.
0: Well said. All right, let's do another one that we um, – uh, Marquette lost a lot. That's one school that – we're talking about all the schools that gained, either from players not going in the draft or transfers. Marquette lost a lot of guys in this past week – they lost you know, their, their most key player in uh, Dawson Garcia, their 6'11 center, 13 points a game, seven rebounds as a freshman in the rugged Big East. He's off to my Tar Heels, Kenny. What do you think about that? Yeah, I,
3: the, the, the topic you brought up there is interesting, and I think it's going to be great to watch next year because young men are going to be able to watch this as well. When you introduce all these new players, those that are transferring from other schools, what, what are their expectations? And those that you've recruited, where you've told them you're going to come here and going to play X, and you know, you know that conversation takes place. No one who's a four or five or even a three star recruit expects to come in there and just sit on the bench behind a bunch of transfers. So I'm I'm fascinated to see what what takes place in a lot of these schools next year. As you mentioned. And look, in Arizona, is one of them. They have nine new players next year. So it'll be fascinating to see what, what takes place on that with uh, with all those new bodies.
0: Great points, Kenny from Rye. Thank you for the call. Thanks for being part of the show. 34 of our 35 shows. And uh, you'll be on all the shows when we get back uh, after Labor Day. How's How about that? I look forward to it, James. We'll see you in September. Thanks, Kenny from Rye. Thanks for all you do for the show. All right, folks, we're going to our commercial break. And then we'll come back for our final segment of the show. I'm Jim Niceno. On College Hoops Chat.
2: (laughs) Start your mornings with radio's favorite morning team, Dennis and Tommy, and Good Morning Westchester. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX.
1: 1460 WVOX. Okay,
0: folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat on WVOX 1460 AM. Uh, we got about 12 minutes left. Uh, this will be our last show, folks, until after Labor Day when the students are back on campus. So, hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Uh, we we talked a lot about uh, all the players uh, that decided to stay in college over the last week with the NBA draft deadline. Now, let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about uh, who are the top teams going into next year. Uh, It'd be a very interesting list. And if I'm looking uh, for a list of the top teams for next year, I'm going to start with John Rothstein. All right, so if you're a college basketball fan out there, folks, and you're not following John Rothstein on Twitter, that's a mistake. So go to at J-O-N-R-O-T-H-S-T-E-I-N. Uh, At John Rothstein. To me, he is the number one basketball commentary on Twitter. And he has a website called College Hoops Today. He's excellent. So uh, John uh, has his ranking up. He uh, already is ranking for next year. His number one team going into the 2021-22 season is Gonzaga. Okay, the Gonzaga uh, Bulldogs. Uh, They have uh, Drew Timmy back. They had one of the top recruits in the nation, Ched Holmgren, Andrew Nebhart's back. Uh, they got a lot of players back. They got some transfers. So there is the number one team, according to my friend, John Rothstein, who I think is top notch. Number two is UCLA. That's an awful easy one, right? Because if you watched uh, the NCAA tournament last year, you saw a team get hot. That was UCLA that made it to the final four. Here's what you need to know, folks. With Johnny Ju Juzang pulling out of the draft and going back to UCLA. The starting five, you saw on the court last year in the final four, they're all back. <laughs> UCLA's got their whole team back. So everyone's going to have UCLA. And we have a great coach, too, Mick Cronin. That's a team that everybody's going to have in their top five. John Rothstein has the number two. Number three, a little close to home, folks, the Big East, Villanova. Kenny from Rye likes to say on the show, and I agree with him, Villanova isn't worried about transfer portals. They're just trying to get their players in the program, coach them up for their system, uh, and make them play that Villanova style. So all of the players that are starting next year for Villanova come back from last year. They did lose their best player, uh, Jeremiah Robertson-Oro, but they still have an excellent team, a lot of depth, and uh, watch Villanova. They will be the best team, I believe, in the Big East, and they're going to be a very strong team Connor Gillespie came back. He might have gone to the uh, professional route, but he got hurt, if you remember, in the NCAA tournament so he decided to come back. So number three, Villanova. Number four, we talked about him earlier, uh, Tristan and I, a team that got three starters back last week pulling out of the draft. Not one, not two. Three starters pulled out of the draft last week. Now you know how good Kansas is. Kansas is number four. Uh, They have a lot of talent uh, and they're going to be a tough team to beat. They should be the best team in the in the Big 12. Number five, Texas. Now, there's an interesting one. All right? Texas lost a bunch of guys, but they got great transfers and a brand-new coach. They got Chris Beard from Texas Tech, who's been thought of as one of the top coaches in the country. Uh, so they got a new coach. They got some of their guys back. They got a lot of big-time transfers. Uh, but they're going to see a team that probably starts a little slow because they brought their – putting together so many new pieces, but Texas will probably be really good by the NCAA tournament, especially with their coach, Chris Beard. Number six, Purdue. Purdue got a lot of players back. Um, they got, uh, they lost Aaron Wheeler who transferred to St. John's, but everybody else is pretty much back. Uh, Travion Williams is a center. Who's really good. Uh, Purdue is right. If you're according to this, they can be one of the best teams in the big 10. So watch Purdue. Number seven, Michigan. Um, it's funny, uh, Tristan had, I think, uh, Michigan went all the way up at three. Um, they got Hunter Dickinson and Devontae Jones back last week out of the draft. So now they're a whole different team. I probably wouldn't have Michigan that high, uh, but I still think they'll be a good team. Number eight, Oregon. I like Oregon. I like the players they got. I like their coach. I like, um, uh, I like uh, the recruits they brought in, three big-time recruits. Again, it will take them time to put it all together when three recruits They'll be playing a lot of time in their rotation. But, um, I mean, three transfers. I said recruits. But Oregon will be really good. And I think that, I think we should all mark our calendar for the first Oregon-UCLA game. will be really good. Number nine, national champion, Baylor. Got some recruits. Got a lot of guys back from that team. The best players on the team did leave. But Baylor will still be good. They're well coached. Uh, they got some nice transfers in after winning the national championship. So, But they did lose four stars, but they'll still be good. I don't think Baylor will be a national championship team, but I think they'll be a team that's going to win a lot of games. Number 10, Duke. You know, Duke's kind of fallen back the last couple of years. Uh, They had that great team that lost in the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago with Zion and R.J. Barrett. But, uh, you know, uh, it's still Coach K. He's still got big-time recruits. This is his last year. There'll be a lot of emotion there. Duke will be really good this year. Number 11, I'm a fan, North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, I explained to you before that they got uh, three uh, starters uh, that all decided to be Tar Heels this season, only in the last week or so, similar to um, Kansas. They got a transfer uh, in Brady Manic. Armando Baycott decided to stay, and they got Dawson Garcia from Marquette. They already had Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Kerwin Walter, three terrific guards, now, if Hubert Davis can put it all together, uh, that's a tournament team that could win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament. Who knows? Maybe Sweet 16, maybe uh, Elite 8 type of team, North Carolina. All right. Here's a team to watch, folks. John them. John Rossi, number 12. And that would be Auburn. Auburn. All right. Uh, they got a lot of transfers. They had talent there. Um, kind of came out of nowhere. But it's going to be a team, I think, that starts slow uh, because of all the transfers. But they're well coached. They have a lot of talent. I think Auburn's going to be like a team that wins like 20, 23 games in the SEC and makes a run. Be a tough team in the NCAA tournament. Number 13, low, I thought, Kentucky. Kentucky's got a good team. They're still getting some nice recruits. They got a couple of transfers this time. Uh, They're going to be a different kind of team. A little bit more... Um, upper class team than normal uh, Kentucky. Uh, John's got them number 13. Number 14, Arkansas. He has them a lot higher than I would. Um, I think they're a good team, Arkansas. I think they'll be a team that gets into the NCAA tournament, but I don't have them 14 in the nation. Number 15 is Houston. All right, Another final four team last year. They got a lot of talent back. Um, Some of their key players all came back. They lost Quinton Grimes, though, which I think is a huge loss. Maybe 15 is a little high. John's got them at 15, Houston. 16, Maryland. You know, Maryland lost a lot, but saved the day with two big transfers. They got Wahib from uh, the center from Georgetown and Fats Russell from Rhode Island. Uh, they got some other players back. So Maryland, despite losing two big-time players in Darryl Morsell uh, and Aaron Wiggins, they're still going to be good. And Eric Ayala also is a good player. So I would have Maryland a little higher than 16. 17, Ohio State. The the key player they lost this past week, one of their players did decide to stay in the draft. That's Dwayne Washington. Uh, Big loss, but I love EJ Liddell. They got a lot of good players. I think Ohio State's going to be really good this year. Alabama will be excellent. Why he's got them 18, I'm not sure. I think Alabama, that has players back. They did lose a bunch of their key players, like John Petty and Herbert Jones, Josh Primo and Jaden Shackelford, all really good. But Nate Oates keeps, keeps the beat going. He brought in a lot of players, uh, a good transfers. I think Alabama's going to be really good this year. Florida State's always good. You couldn't be much better coach than Florida State. Uh, they get a lot of players. They, they come out NBA ready. People know that. Florida State will be a good team this year. He has them number 19. I'm going to stop at this one. Number 20, St. Bonaventure Bonnie's Number 20, John Rustin, my alma mater. Number 20, a nation. Go Bonnie. so happy to tell you that. We have a caller. All right, let's go to the phone line, folks. We have a caller. Good evening.
2: Hey, Jim, it's John from Croton. How Good. are you? Hello,
0: John from Croton. How are you?
2: Good. I just wanted to um, mention real quick, I know you're wrapping up for the night and for the, for the season, and I hope you have a comfortable, relaxing hiatus. Um, but uh, we got another couple of games of uh, NBA playoffs. I think two more games. I think Phoenix wraps it up.
0: I think so, too. Uh, well, I lo- I look, maybe Milwaukee gets another game at home. So maybe six games. But um, but I, I, I do think at the end of the day, the Suns will be the NBA champs.
2: Yeah, I don't think Phoenix, uh, I'm sorry, Milwaukee, the Bucks can play with, with Phoenix's guards. And, and they just uh, are too quick, too fast. And Chris Paul scores a lot of baskets real quick. So I just think that maybe it's five games, maybe it's six. But I think it's Phoenix's title to lose if they're going to uh, continue.
0: I agree. I agree. Although... Because of how well Milwaukee plays at home, they're one of the better teams on their home court. Could they get it to seven games and force um, Phoenix to win in game seven? I don't think that's uh, the question. I tend to agree with you, John. It's going to be the Suns in five or six, but I wouldn't be shocked if Milwaukee holds serve uh, and wins their uh, games on their home floor.
2: Yeah, I mean, the possibilities still exist, but I just, based on what I saw the first two games, Phoenix got out of the gate. And they were just running all over. And I think last night was their letdown game. And maybe they have one more, and that's it.
0: I don't think there's any question, if you look at the two teams on paper, if they played on a neutral court, I would say Phoenix is the better team. Yeah. All right, so John. Certainly, thank you so much. Yeah, there, Thanks for the call. Thanks for being part of the show. Thanks for always calling you. And you always call in our last segment when we need callers, so I thank you so much. Thanks, John. All right, that's John from Crowd. All right, folks. We'll be back after Labor Day. Thank you for being part of the show. We are having a great time, and we're going to have a great time starting in September when we get back in the studio and talk about college basketball. This is Jim Nistano thanking everyone again for all your support, and uh, we'll see you in September, folks. Have a great rest of summer.